Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Oh, what a week. What do you think? Are you, are you getting sick and tired of the snow? Uh, you know, I, I, am a, I am a winter person at heart, but even I'm getting sick and tired of seeing the snow pop up the way it is and kind of putting a wrench in everybody's plan. I uh, just wanted to uh, thank everybody, by the way, for uh, showing up, uh, the ones that were able to muscle through and get to our simple seminar uh, that we had on Wednesday evening, you know, great to to meet uh, all of you that did did attend, and uh, it's always a great time having a chat about real estate. Uh, and speaking of our next one, uh, you can mark your, your your calendars. If you weren't able to make it out because of the weather, March the twenty eighth. It's a it's a Thursday at seven p.m. Go to simpleinvestor.com. You can uh, you can definitely find out more about it. But uh, always a great conversation. And um, it's going to be an interesting show today because this is the first time that I've actually been fortunate enough to have a member of provincial parliament uh, joining me. Uh, it's Mr. Stan Cho. And um, he's also a um, real estate broker. Uh, of course, he's put that on by the sideline there because, you know, being a government official, he can't be doing having two, those two hats on, but definitely uh, very well versed. I'm excited about this because uh, having him on, we're going to ask some important questions. And I think you may want to listen listen and uh, see where our provincial government is going. And hopefully we're going to get some traction here, folks. We definitely need to solve some issues. Let's talk about what's going on in the news this week. One of the things um, that came up and I wanted to talk about it because when we when we get these reports in, so fortunately a lot of the a lot of the big big brokerage companies such as Royal Page, Remax, you know, uh, a lot of them will release reports telling everybody what's going on in the marketplace or at least what they've been able to observe and and some of them saying Toronto buyers are swarming the western suburbs in search of cheaper single family homes. So that's one of the things that if we take a look at when these reports are done and this is where this is where i think we we do have to be a little bit cautious is that when we start talking about reports from you know 2013 to 2018 um numbers may be a little bit skewed because we had such a run-up but then when we soften out for 2018 you know we're taking a look at it and it was interesting because out of a five-year period, um, areas such as Burlington, Oakville, Halton Hills, Milton, um, they represented uh, 10% of all the sales in the greater Toronto area, uh, which is, you know, that's a pretty big number when you start thinking about it. And when 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 we talk about suburbs, and a lot of people are, have always been a little bit hesitant saying, you know, why do we want to commute? Well, affordability is one of them, of course. And that's one of the things that I think that people have to keep looking at is the affordability and are the markets going to get any more affordable? Right now, it does not look like that's where we're leaning. Um, you know, numbers just coming in, of course. Uh, here we are uh, pretty much, uh, we're, February is in the history books, but don't know the numbers yet. Uh, but I can tell you, based on weather, based on a lot of other factors, we're not going to see crazy numbers coming through uh, year over year. Could be down slightly, doesn't necessarily mean month over month. But again, whenever we start playing with some of the skewed numbers, you know, they do read a little bit differently. And I'm always going to try to make it all make sense for you here at Simply Real Estate, uh, because again, kind of wading through the crap that gets put out into the marketplace is my job. And I want to make sure that uh, everybody has a pretty good idea of what's going on. Um, you know, one of the things, of course, when we do talk about houses, though, uh, the missing middle housing in Toronto, um, it's, it, it's, it's tough. You know, there's that middle part of the market. And that's that one that, you know, if we, if we consider that condominium, 
which, you know, apartment style buildings, you know, when you look at one and two bedrooms, anything from nowadays, 450 square feet and up, uh, that, that's that first time home buyer market. It could be one that people are downsizing to, but most, most times it's the starter home. It's the next one up. It's the town home, potentially with a garage. It's the semi-detached. It's the small detached. This is the one that uh, it's making it difficult. People are having a tough time to jump to the next level. And that's because those people, A, are not moving, and B, there wasn't enough of them built. And so, um, you know, when we talk about this kind of stuff, it's, you know, where, where can we create more inventory, especially in the downtown core? If they're not going up, they're definitely not going out. So this is where the suburb markets are doing well. You know, a couple of new builders releases even out in the marketplaces like Brampton, uh, Oakville, uh, Milton, you know, and then if we start going the other side, Whitby, Pickering, Oshawa, you know, we're seeing new builders releases and they're doing exceptionally well and the values are still there. Um, so affordable housing becomes a singular focus of Toronto's new real estate czar. So um, the, the, one of the things that's happening is um, the new CEO of Toronto's centralized real estate agency, Create TO, um, has got a, a, a new, I, I guess he's a new president there, uh, Brian Johnson. He's former part of Mattamy Homes. And, you know, they're really trying to focus on, and, and I think reigning in, um, I'm not going to say Mr. Tory, but definitely the, the city of Toronto and figure out how they're going to start getting more inventory. So, you know, transforming 11 city owned surplus sites into affordable housing projects. You know, they're looking at it and saying, okay, we're going to throw 40,000 properties, like it's a residence, uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's a house, it could be just a condo, uh, but in, in the next 12 years. Now, here has been my struggle and uh, one of the things that we have to take a look at. 12 years, 40,000 properties. Let's see. Let's go with the let's go with the math just for some fun. Okay, 12 years. In 12 years, we're going to probably have a minimum of 1.2 million more people immigrate into Toronto. So if we're averaging 100,000 people per year, which by the way, the number is actually higher than that, and it's going to continue to go up at an astronomical rate, but let's just go with that. 1.2 million, 40,000 units. Hmm. Anybody see a problem here? Uh, you know, this is this is the thing. Um, there's just not enough thought being put behind what we are going to compl- what we're going to need in our future. And again, as as you've heard me vent here, um, I believe that we need to put more focus on uh, a developers. B uh, allowing basement rental apartments to be registered, uh, allowing you to create your own property into a duplex or triplex, and have individual titles so people could actually sell. You you'd be surprised. Uh, we could turn around. As I have said uh, numerous times, I think you could create 100,000 properties uh, that could be usable both from a rental or an ownership standpoint in a very short period of time. Guaranteed 24 months if it's handled by the right people. A couple other things, of course. What's going on? Uh, new builders. So cracks appear in Toronto's new build condo craze as investor-supported frenzy fizzles. Well, we had to know that, that you know, air's got to come out of those tires a little. Uh, we are into the spring market, and that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is looking to be an investor uh, in the spring. But um, this is where, again, once we get past this weather, we're going to be able to figure out where we're at. Um, interesting title here. Detached homes in Toronto could cost $3.5 million by 2026. Um, hmm. I'm not sure I'm going to agree with that one. You know, of course, these are all things that 
everybody sees in the news they always throw this up in some of the newspapers and i like i like letting you know when i take a look at it uh the one though this is this is one that i think that needs to be addressed and i really hope that um the provincial government will do something about this because they're going to have to go after the federal government so federal finance minister bill Murnow is facing growing pressure from canada's real estate industry to use his march budget to help first-time home buyers as house sales continue to slump now let's talk about why we're even talking about mr morneau at this point that uh when when the stress test got put in that was done by the government the federal government last uh january 2018 and this is what's made it much more difficult for people to qualify now the one thing that this does have an effect on and and this is what people have to understand is the fact that we are talking about mortgages that are less than 80 percent loan to value so in other words minimum 20 percent down a lot of people are putting down 25 30 percent trying to get around it but ultimately in the end you still have a stress test and this is one of those things that has there been a mistake has it been left in place too long and i think that what we have to do is we have to we have to as as you know uh, just regular public you know we have to get everybody um to actually realize what this is doing to the actual market itself if we can't get uh, the first time home buyers to be able to get into properties, it's going to freeze out the market. And I know a lot of people are sitting there saying, Hey, well, that's not a bad thing. We need the prices to come down. But the truth is, is that we are at real real estate value right now. If you were to ask me, Todd, what is today's value? You know, is it real or is it inflated? I would say today's value is what it is. It is the true brick and mortar value of Toronto real estate. Uh, even if we look at the province of Ontario, I believe that, you know, the outer markets have come up nicely in value because they're getting to brick and mortar value. And I think in Toronto today, yes, even though we've seen inflationary you know, uh, increases, but we saw it come back somewhat and retreated. I think we're at a balanced market. Balanced market, of course, meaning that we don't really see huge increases. Uh, inventory stays on the market a little bit longer, days on the market increases. I think that this is where we need to be. Now, how do we get the ball to move forward? It's sort of like, you know, when, you, when you're in one of those big uh, ferry boats going over to Toronto Island, you know how they have to stop it and, and, and get it to go the other direction? Well, we're kind of gliding into port right now and we need to get this thing to start moving again. And I think that maybe easing the stress test would be very, very important. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. You know, they keep saying, you know, how tough is the mortgage stress test across Canada today? Um, there are provinces that they should not have it in and definitely provinces that they should. So we will have to wait and see what's going to happen. Um, by the way, uh, if you're thinking of buying some industrial space out in Vancouver, not going to happen. They are running out of supply. And of course, you know, uh, on next week's show, we're going to have the Talk Triangle return. We've got Romana King and uh, Greg Bonnell joining us. And you know what? We're going to be talking about uh, a lot of this stuff. Vancouver is running out of space, and uh, it's going to happen. You know what? It's uh, it's a it's a tough market there. They've their con you know the confines for them to develop are a lot worse than Toronto. So. We'll have to wait and see. But as I mentioned, uh, you know, coming up uh, after the break, 
Um, the Honorable Member of Provincial Parliament, uh, Mr. Stan Cho, is going to be uh, joining me. And I'm very excited to have him on the show. And remember, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. You can register for the next seminar, March the 28th. And hey, by the way, if you haven't uh, got yourself into an investment property, we've got some really good deals right now out there. So uh, go to simpleinvestor.com and there'll be more when I come back after this. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Um, so, you know, today I um, I feel very honored because I've got a guest joining me. Never had him on the show before, but um, he is the Honorable Member of Parliament for Willowdale, and it's Mr. Stan Cho. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming in today. Todd, the honor's all mine. Thanks for having me. By the way, congratulations. You're in your first term. I guess it must be exciting. You're getting your feet wet with a lot of different things. Absolutely. 264 days in since the election and not bored. And you're keeping a daily count. <laughs> Do you have one of those apps on your phone that says you know, yeah. <laughs> 1,300 more to go? <laughs> it's, it's all in my head. but uh... We have lots to talk about today. One of the things, of course, uh, near and dear to us here is uh, real estate. And just to, to give... Uh, everybody a little bit about your background uh you are also you hold a broker's license not active at this point but uh very much uh into real estate which i think a lot of people are but you you yourself um you know you've got a family-owned brokerage that um that you've been very active with over the years that's right todd and now uh, i've had to excuse myself from the business because i dedicated my life to public service but my little brother is running the company and i lose sleep over that every single night <laughs> it's one of the big main houses uh, royal Page. Of mm -hmm. course, we have uh, all sorts of uh, roller page brokers on as guests here. You know, we're very much an incredible company. I do want to talk to you a little bit about real estate, um, you know, get a little bit of your, your perspective on things. But more importantly, you know, let's see what kind of conversation we can drill down and find out kind of where our provincial government is thinking. Because right now, you know, all sorts of hot topics, you know, one that we, we deal with on a regular basis, of course, is vacancy or the lack of it. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, right now, if we take a look at some of the markets, I mean, below 1%, but virtually a zero vacancy rate in the hubs of Toronto, but more more so, we've got a lot of other pockets. Is this as hot a topic as we all see it as? Well, it certainly is a hot topic uh, for me, Todd, and it's something that we recognize. I, I think the difficulties in the rental market, and the low vacancy rates you speak of, uh, are a result of, of many problems, uh, not least of which is the unaffordability in the purchasing market for housing. And I think that results from government's inability to recognize the root of the problems here. And the, and the root of the problem is simple. We have a booming population here. People know that this is a great place to live in the greater Golden Horseshoe. We have record population growth numbers that we've, uh, we have people moving here in droves, yet we are not increasing the supply of housing at the appropriate pace, either at the sales level or the rental level. So what we have here is a huge supply-demand imbalance, and we need to get back to addressing the root of the problem, which is supply, supply, supply. Of course, when we talk about supply, there's either one or two ways that we look at it. We look at it that we try to free up what could be technically deemed uh, you know, stuff in the marketplace already. Uh, so basement apartments, um, you know, potentially creating you know, some multi-res properties out of, you know, the people that have larger homes, perhaps, you know, make a duplex or triplex. Or we we work with builders, you know, the, the private sector, the developers, and see what they can do. This is one of those topics that we hear about red tape. We talk to all sorts of the building community saying, you know, at this stage, the delay from the fact that, you know, you know, hey, let's build something to the day that somebody actually has a set of keys to move into it. 
I mean, we're looking at 10 years. Mm -hmm. We don't have 10 years right now. No, we we do not have 10 years to get this resolved. We certainly don't. And, and I looked at my neighborhood in Willowdale just as a perfect example of, of what you just said there, Todd. Willowdale has hit its provincial growth targets for 2041. I mean, a wow. quarter century ahead, and your housing has not kept pace. Never mind the inf infrastructure, education, and, and transit investment that is necessary with that population growth. And that is the story across this entire city and across this entire province, which is that we are not matching our housing supply with our population growth. And, and you brought up some great points there. Government needs to look at all areas. And you, you touched on some of the intensification in terms of multi-unit dwellings. You talked about some of the red tape and the challenges that developers face. We need to address all of these things at the same time. And you're bang on when you say developers are facing up to a 10-year period from land acquisition until having product roll out to the market. And in that 10 years, you're looking at 100,000 people to Toronto, 300,000 people and 85% of that growth coming to the Greater Golden Horseshoe every single year. We're not keeping pace. What we need to do, and, and I love that you touched on the red tape, that is a major problem. We're not just talking red tape at the provincial level. We are talking red tape at all levels of government. So another task that I'm focused on is breaking down those silos between government. We have 380,000 regulations in the province of Ontario. You know, <laughs> sure. BC has 120,000 and they seem to be doing just fine. Sure. So we're going to focus on that. Let's get rid of the regulations, the red tapes, because we are all in this together. Housing affects the poor and the rich and everybody in between, and we need to get serious about addressing our supply problems here in Ontario. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, again, as much as, as much as we all want to sit there and say, hey, here's the solution, let's build more properties, more residents, it's not that simple. No. And this was not a problem that was created in the last two or three years when it's become such a media force. If we go back and, and, you know, I'm not going to pick on other provincial governments other than if we start off by saying when rent control, which by the way, it, it does have its, 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 you know, strengths for sure. But rent, rent control in 1991 brought in by the Ray government basically froze out all builder developers to create apartment titled rentals. Okay, this is where the problem actually started. If we go back historically, we take a look at what did they do to make it better for us, and they haven't. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. And after that, the Ray government, and you know, I don't like to always look backwards, but you know, you should learn from history so we don't repeat those mistakes in the future. So I will touch on that. You can see tangibly in the 90s, something only like a few thousand purpose-built rentals were built, and that is a direct result of government policy that sounded good but did not have the intended results. And I believe those intentions, uh, well, they were well intended, but they didn't lead to the, sort of the right results and outcomes. And we saw that once again with the Fair Housing Plan in 2017, when rent control was reintroduced. And you could see an immediate, I'll, I'll just speak anecdotally to one example, at King in Portland, you had a project with 600 units that was yep. scheduled to be a rental product. And you're talking about billion dollar real estate investment trusts that just decided, sure. you know what? Not no, screw, it. forget it. We're yeah. just selling them off. And they sold it within a month. Yeah. And that's 600 units to a very uh, underserviced community yeah. that you saw product disappear. I'm going to have you hold that thought because yeah. you, you and I have to go down that one. That, that's, that's one for us to chat about. Uh, folks, um, I've got the Honorable Member of Parliament, uh, Mr. Stan Cho, here with me uh, from Willowdale. And um, listen, when we come back, we're going to talk more. So you don't want to miss this one. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is... 
MPP, Mr. Stan Cho from Willowdale. And, um, you know, it's interesting, uh, Stan, just before the break, you and I were having a great conversation about, you know, supply and demand and how we literally just watched, you know, 600 units go by the wayside um, when the Fair Housing Act came into play. And, you know, I'm, I, I know you can't always go backwards uh, in, in, you know, provincial or even federal government, but how do we move it forward? I mean, you know, we're watching, A, we're watching more and more projects get cancelled um, and people are just like throwing up their hands going, okay, listen, we can't do it. Now, fortunately, uh, back in November, uh, the, the, you know, the provincial government actually made it what I thought was a good idea that, you know, looking at brand new product that not to have rent control on it. So hopefully to encourage some of these builders to get back to that, to that, you know, spot where they're going to develop. But even then five, eight years down the road, you know, like we're, we, there, there's no quick fix. I, I can't find you an apartment today or for the next 18 months, basically. This is a problem that took us many years to get into and a quick fix is a band-aid solution. And I am not going to support anything in government that addresses the symptoms of the problems when you're not addressing the root. And we've seen exactly what you've just said is, is the direct result, the knee-jerk reaction of uh, measures such as the fair housing plan and eliminating uh, or imposing rent control on development, well, companies are going to stop to build the much-needed rental product that that we, we so desperately need in the city of Toronto and the province of Ontario. So by removing that last fall, what we did was we incented companies to continue development. Now, we, we maintained rent control on existing product, but it's gone for, for new developers. And, and, the, and the reason that's a good thing for our city is there there is nobody else who can come out and build thousands of rental products at, at a time that that that's the only way we're going to eventually chip away at these vacancy rates that are near zero as you said in certain sub markets of the city uh, and that's really the only quick way the quickest way that we have to addressing this problem yeah well you know when 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 we take a look at it as we mentioned we, you know we talk about zero vacancy rate let's say just across the province you know let's say it sits at one or two percent you know uh, even even the outer markets uh, are doing exceptionally well um, you know people are retired people are you know immigrating you know people are doing more work from home so you know they are pushing the outer markets but still you know vacancy rates are very very historically low at this stage I, I don't think we've ever seen numbers like this and it's not always a positive thing I mean you know we can talk about commercial in a second but when we take a look residentially you know one of the one of the biggest things and and I know you know being being a, a member of the provincial parliament I mean you must sit there and kind of cringe sometimes when the reports get released and you know you've you've got you've got you know everybody in 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 your area you've got pe so many people that are jumping on the bandwagon and saying listen I can't find a place to live I can't afford a uh, you know affordable housing but from a government's perspective you know there's not a solution that, as you said, quick fix, but we, we can put something into plan. But, you know, talking about 10,000 units 10 years from now is not going to do anything. No. If you were given, I'll call it a magic wand, what would be the quickest way for us to evolve this? I love magic wands, Todd. Thanks for offering me that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, let me start by saying I cringe far less now that I actually have a voice uh, to speak to 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 our lawmakers and 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 offer expertise. Not just me, though. Uh, yeah. The most important thing that I am really proud of this, Todd, is that uh, this government has made a strong commitment to listening to the experts. Mm -hmm. Now, 
we've seen governments in the past claim to be experts in all fields, uh, especially in real estate. It didn't work. Right. And that's why last fall we had a supply action consultation where over 200 people attended. Uh, that's why right now our government has an ongoing uh, golden, uh, Greater Golden Horseshoe uh, growth plan. Consultations are open online for the next 45 days for experts to come in and give us their opinions on how we fix this problem. Because as you said, it, it's not a problem that developed overnight. This is a problem that has been sort of simmering for decades and is now starting to boil over. So if you give me that magic wand, Todd, what I'm going to do is wave it over and remove all of the barriers to development. Remember, we have bad apples in all all sectors, right? And there's a few in, in the development industry, but the large majority of these these developers want to see successful communities. They want to see communities develop and grow sustainably with the proper investment in infrastructure, transit, and education. Uh, we can't label them all as villains. We, we can't rail on the one hand about the cost of housing, and then on the other hand, stop the flow of development out at every turn. So give me that magic wand. And what I'm going to say is these red tape, this regulation, you know, making it 10 years for development to come out, that's gone. Yep. Give me a wand and we're going to say we're going to develop transit and we're going to develop uh, air right uh, development above that transit. Uh, give me a magic wand and we're going to say that we are going to intensify in the right areas of our city. And then we're going to invest the, the money that we collect back into the infrastructure so that we grow sustainably and that uh, education, transit, all those things that are part of housing develop together. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm glad you touched on that because, of course, you can you can... You know, as they say, if you build it, they will come. But the problem is, is that it's also having the correct infrastructure. So, you know, in in your area uh, of Willida, where you represent, I mean, it is crazy. Like your your traffic jam, your your schooling. I mean, you know, as you said, you've hit your development uh, as far as a population. You know, you've far exceeded that number. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, you're playing catch up That's and. Right. The hardest thing for the standard consumer is that, yes, it's great now you have some place to live, but everything else has to come part and parcel. Yeah. And the log jam, the closed roadways, the noise, you know, you, you hear so much of it. You know, people are complaining that, hey, they're doing this, they're doing that. But at the same time, they're also complaining. Like how, as a member of provincial parliament, you have to wear two hats almost. It's sort of like, I understand this, I understand this. And and it's tough because I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. I'm going to start sort of high level here and, and get back to your question. Uh, so indulge me for a few minutes, if you will. When we look at Canada, it's an absolutely massive landmass. Sure. I mean, something like 10 million square kilometers of, of space and a population of, of 36 million, I think, according to the last census. That's deceiving. Because the Greater Golden Horseshoe, a landmass which represents like 0.3% of Canada's landmass, so it's, it's like a tiny yeah. bit of your pinky finger in terms of your body if you want to look relatively, but that little landmass contains 26% of our country's population. Yeah. Over a quarter of Canada's population lives in that little pinky finger that I'm talking about. Right. And when you look to Toronto, the intensification, the density is even more. And then it boils over in areas like Willowdale. And for those listening that don't know where Willowdale is, it's, it's sort of that young shepherd, young and finch corridor yeah. and that neighborhood. You've got 20,000 new condos that have been introduced in the last five years. You have two subway lines that dead end in the neighborhood. You have the world's longest street, Young Street, meeting the North America's busiest highway, uh, 401. And you have a left turn traffic light to get onto <laughs> the 401 East. 
These are the types of lack of investment in infrastructure and transit and, oh, and education. Kids can see their schools from their condo balconies, but they're being bused across town because of the overcrowding in schools. Those are the challenges that have resulted from a lack of planning from previous governments. So you're right. It is frustrating sometimes because you look to these challenges and you think, why wasn't this done better in the past? But being an optimist, I know we can fix it moving forward. And the way to fix it is very, very simple. It's not a quick fix, unfortunately, but we have to do some fundamental changes in government. And number one, stop thinking you know best as government. And I touched on this earlier. We have to listen to the real estate experts who are telling us that supply is the big issue. Listen to them, listen to what regulations are impeding their process, their progress out to getting uh, development out there, and make those changes. Secondly, we have to look at breaking down the barriers between communicating between the municipal government and the federal government. We, we have, you know, redundancies. So, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry I'm, la- I'm not laughing at you, I'm <laughs> laughing with you, just the, just the whole idea that that's actually possible. Um, yeah, well, you know, you, you know things like Section 37, you, you, you know that uh, how expensive development levies have gone, and sure. developers may not advertise this, but it's very obvious that those costs that you're passing on to the developer, well, guess who pays for that? Yeah. I'm going to have you hold that thought because we're going to go to a quick break. Uh, Folks, I'll be back with the Honorable uh, Stan shows, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is the Honorable Member of Provincial Parliament from Willowdale, uh, Mr. Stan Cho. And um, by the way, if you've missed any part of the program, make sure you log on to News Talk 1010. Go to Simply Real Estate, the show. Click on it. You'll catch my SoundCloud and uh, you'll be able to hear our conversation. Um, you know, just before the break, you know, we were we were trying to figure out federal and provincial government there for a second. Um, and, and just the idea of conversation actually being able to lead to an end result. Now, I know that, um, you know, in, in the mandate of a provincial government, you're still new and you're and, and really you're I, I think the one thing I have to give uh, yourself and, and the rest of the, the member of the provincial government credit is that they are really trying to listen. Uh, un, unlike, let's say, some past, and, and again, I'm not going to beat anybody up. That's not quite my style. But one of the things that uh, is impressive is the fact that you are actually trying to figure out solutions more from a private sector to a certain extent because, um, you know, big government can't control uh, you know, development. If if we were to if we were to listen to you know the, the numbers that get thrown out that you know oh yeah we we're going to build ten thousand units, um, if you challenged a a a big development one of the big developers let's say and said to them hey listen you know what how do you guys feel about throwing twenty thousand units up in the next three years? Do you know how many people would jump on that? I mean, you know, we've got we've got the REITs, we've got the major investors. These these guys are just chomping at the bit if they could be given the proper timeline. But mm-hmm. the problem is right now, based on development, what we've experienced over the last few years is that delay, 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 their numbers are all based on a financial model that says they're going to close today. But when the costs get pushed out by five years from now, Okay, and all of a sudden now they look at it and say, listen, this is a money losing proposition. And this is a lot of the reason why, you know, we saw cancellation. I know a lot of people, you know, at first when we started hearing some of these condominiums that, you know, they canceled them. And a lot of people said, well, that's because they originally sold them at $500 a square foot. They can get 800. It's greed. Well, um, if you take a look at the red tape, the cost of actually building went through the roof, considering that the levies and, and, and I'm not sure if everybody realizes this, but if you take your standard condominium, 
Okay, the cost of the red tape comes in at about $130,000 a door. So if you have a $500,000 condo unit, let's say 600 square feet, we're just throw some, some numbers out there, um, you haven't even built anything yet. That's right. And it costs you 130K. And that's for the developer charges. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to that, Todd, is is your levies are not what, what you have today is your levies. Uh, that's not guaranteed for when you go to pay your levies. Right. Right. So there's also that risk that the builder takes that in the future, what you thought would be the cost on your additional fees, not just construction, have gone up and they've gone up astronomically. Uh, and that, that, Really, the only one who suffers, you've talked about the canceled projects out there. Well, it's the consumer uh, that suffers along uh, with them. And, and those, um, th you, you touched on the, the numbers of the developer earlier. This, this, you're bang on with that. They're performers. Um, if, if your costs go up over the years of it, that your internal rate of return drastically decreases. And developers many times will just wash their hands of a project and say, you know what? It's better for me to just keep this parking lot until something changes, which is why in downtown, you, you, you know, people will comment and saying, well, well, that parking lot should be a development. Well, <laughs> now you know why it's not. Yeah, exactly. Back in 2018, a stress test got put in play because, you know, uh, and, and I'll have you throw in your realtor's cap just for a second, then sure. you can, we can switch back to the governmental aspect yeah. of things. But, um, you know, when, when, we, when we first saw it, obviously a lot of people got very nervous about it. Uh, more so because, you know, I believe the federal government thought that people were taking on too much debt. Of course, they were worried about rising interest rates. And of course, you know, we did see them go up over the last 24 months. You know, we did see an increase in the, in, in the actual cost of borrowing. But here's the problem, and I don't know if this is an answer that we should be talking federally, instead maybe talk about it you know, provincially, is you know, each province is uh, behaving at a different level financially right now. Uh, Alberta, of course, we know that you know, it, it, it suffered uh, you know, wildfires, oil, everything. Their, their economy should not have to endure, let's say, a stress test. Now, if we take a look at um, you know, Ontario as a province, you know, why is it or why can't we do something about this by looking at the sheer volume of, you know, a down payment? I'll give you an example. You know, stress test is, and, and this is just for our, our, our listeners' sake is why I'm reiterating it, but stress test, you know, kicks in even with a, a conventional style mortgage, which means you've put more than 20% down. That's a lot of money. Um, people are coming up with it, you know, parents are helping out and they, and one of the comments, of course, over the last little while has been, well, what if we put more money down? No, nope, still have stress test. At what point should, should they finally say, look at you, you've got equity, you got so much skin in the game. Let's, let's get rid of it. Okay. Or, or you don't, should it not be a provincial thing? It's a great question. And I'm actually taught as we chat here, I'm going to write that down. You've brought up and I, I mean look if there's one premier who's not afraid to take on the federal government oh i know it's uh, it's our premier here <laughs> yeah. and then doug ford so i'm actually gonna bring that up because you're right uh, if people have that skin in the game and remember too ontario is built on a lot of small business sure and a lot of immigrants and like my family who my, my dad came to this country with a hundred bucks in his pocket sold earthworms for fishing bait as his first job went on to have great small business success but he couldn't 
pass the mortgage rules based on on his business. Of course. Uh, uh, luckily, he had lending institutions that recognized that small business is a form of income, right? And yep. you can have a great living off of that. And so this, there are some challenges that we have with the federal st stress test. It is a federally mandated uh, issue, and yep. that is something that I'm happy to talk to the premier about, about maybe uh, talking to the federal government to, to change some things. Because right now, I agree with you, there are serious flaws in the way the stress test is administered. Yeah, and 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 I think if we if we take a look at the future, because you know we're dealing with we're dealing with an age demographic right now, and you know we always talk about the millennials. We're talking about the first time home buyers. But the one thing that I think everybody to know about the cycle of real estate, they should always remember that all markets are driven by first time home buyers. Okay, and you you would know that as a broker. Um, you know I know that from spending you know twenty five years in the industry, is that. If you have a strong first-time home buyer market, that means you have the first strong first-time home seller market, which now move, moves you into the middle ground. And right now, one of the reasons why we watch the detached market fall off as much as we did, not just from a stress test, there's just no buyers because they have nothing to sell to move up and out of because they can't. So all of a sudden you take the entire cycle. So what does that do? Well, that slows down developers. That slows down, you know, the the evolution of the family in the family home because a lot of people, you know, the only thing they could afford was a condominium. And yet, you know, they want to have an, a second child. They want to have a dog. They want to have a backyard, but they can't because we can't we can't shift the gear and get to the next level is there something is is there an answer to any of this yes there is and and my neck's actually getting sore because i'm nodding along with you as you're speaking so much you bring up uh, a lot of great points here todd and when you look to the solutions it's simple for me we need to stop addressing the symptoms of the problem. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example of a symptom of the problem. It's easy to look at things like foreign buyers and try and blame them, <laughs> know. you know, and say, oh, you know what? It's their fault. That things was a witch so hunt. Unaffordable. It I was see. a witch hunt. I mean, it was a TREB, uh, the Toronto Real Estate Board, uh, you know, the CMHC, they all came out saying like, look, this is under 5% of the market. And if you examine that further, you would have found that the foreign purchasers were actually purchasing luxury properties, yep. millions of dollars. Now that market has totally cooled and you can see other jurisdictions like Montreal, well, their foreign investment has, has, has really spiked. We've lost tax revenue on that. Sure. Uh, they've left Ontario. And what we saw with the cooling detached market in the GTA was a booming condo market. It's simple. It just trickled down. It moved yep. on to the next level of affordability and made that level unaffordable. So actually what the fair housing plan from 2017 did was it hurt first-time buyers. It hurt young families sure. the most. And the answer to this is to look to the root of the problem, not to the symptoms. Yeah. And it also affected the city of Toronto from a tax base, uh, $800 million uh, of uh, lack of land transfer tax mm -hmm. that was paid. And taking a look at the, the overall numbers, I mean, we went from a high of 113,000 transactions down to 77,000 uh, within a two-year gamut. Um, and, you know, I, I, I can't stress it enough that I think that, you know, if, if today's government can turn around and get the necessary input and take the, you know, the necessary action, I think they can work themselves out of the current situation. This, where we sit today has nothing to do with your existing government, okay? This is what I would deem 20 years of negligence 
on a, a, addressing a problem where it was swept under the rug into the point where it's basically, yeah, now you have a complete cluster, you know what, uh, <laughs> to, to the point where we need it resolved. Um, tell me about Willowdale and what you, uh, you, what you want your, your voters to know. Well, I want them to know that uh, you're hard I'm, at work. <laughs> I, I am. I, I am hard at work. 264 days in, and and sleep is not a priority. But I want not just Willowdale, but everybody to know that uh, you know, in the history of of our country, and Ontario is older than our country because the first legislature sat in 1792. We've actually only had 2,000 MPPs in our history. Right. It's a very small number. Yeah. Uh, so I'm part of a very privileged group who represents the community and the province as a whole. And, and I'm not going to rest. I, you know, I'm not going to take that for granted. And I, you, you, you said earlier, Todd, that, you know, I'm new. I am new. And the second I stop feeling new in this job, I need to leave because yeah. it's something I'm not going to do forever. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to make a difference, not just in housing, but the daily lives of Willowdalers and, and to work on what frustrates them at home. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave it with this. My parents worked. I can't tell you how hard they worked. They came to the country with nothing from South Korea and they toiled. I used to do my homework in the back of the store they worked at for minimum wage. They went on to buy that store. They went on, my dad went on to get his real estate license. He went on to open a very successful brokerage, uh, which my brother and I have, have since grown as well. But that success, that was a result of simply hard work meeting opportunity. Yep. Now today, when I knock on the 40,000 doors I did in Willowdale, I see the hard work. The seven-day work weeks are still there. The long hours, the blood, sweat, and tears. What's not are the opportunities. We are robbing people of the dream of home ownership. We are robbing businesses of prosperity, of the chance of expanding, and that, 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 that reward at the end of the day that, you know what, I earned this. And that's why I got into government, because I, I said we need to preserve those opportunities for future generations, and I'm committed to making that happen. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. And uh, it's been a real honor. Um, you know, it's amazing how quickly uh, our time goes by. But thank you so much. Thank you, Todd. Pleasure was all mine. Folks, that was MPP member of Provincial Parliament, Mr. Stan Cho. And it's been a real pri privilege to have him on the show. Um, by the way, that's a wrap. I, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Andre and Ian. They keep it simple for me every single week. Remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.